Yet more statistics, if any were needed, to show that late payments are a problem. Uh, here are two more reports that have just surfaced in the last couple of days. Uh, one showing that uh, invoices issued in 2019 uh, were usually paid late, about uh, two-fifths, 40% of invoices paid late, uh, down slightly on 2018. But when an invoice is overdue, the number of days that it's overdue has doubled in 2019, uh, 23 days rather than 12. According to this latest report in Finance Monthly, more than 34 billion pounds um, are tied up uh, in this way. And it dovetails with uh, another report, Simon Littlewood, uh, that we're seeing from the Electrical Contractors Association, ECA, and the UK's Building Engineering Services Association, BESA, which suggests that 47% of SME owners and managing directors had to stop their own salary and in one in 10 cases, even pay their own staff late because customers were late in making payments. Now, the reason we're picking up these statistics again, and I have to say, Simon, these statistics, even if you don't catch the numbers, you know, how many times have we covered the reports like this? I and mean, it's every other month that somebody comes out with a similar sound. Well, not, it's not just that, but I mean, you know, as, as a serial entrepreneur myself, and I started half a dozen businesses in Singapore alone, I am thoroughly familiar with the situation where <laughs> yes. you don't have enough cash to pay some critical item or you have to push it back. If you're lucky, you only have to push stuff back a few weeks and you can keep the lights on. But if you're not lucky, it can get absolutely can get far worse than that. So yes. I fully understand the stress that's caused by this. Yeah. Now, the reason why we're picking up these latest statistics is, is because the ECA and the BESA uh, have both pointed out, first, the issue of uh, business owners uh, cutting back their own pay or simply not paying themselves, which mm. is one issue that I'd like to pick up. And the second is the mental health issues that result. Um, abusive payment practices they say, fundamentally remove the capacity for individuals to feel purpose or value, and that this impacts not only the lives of business owners, but also their staff and their children. I suppose you can't send your son to football classes, or your daughter for that matter, um, or to ballet classes for that matter, uh, if you don't get paid on time in your small business. So let's pick up the, the business owner first. Is it actually a good idea to forego your own salary from a business strategy perspective? It's a poor choice. Uh, and frankly, if you've planned the thing right, you shouldn't have to do that. Because at the end of the day, you're in business in order to provide yourself with a livelihood, if not some profit as well at the end of the day. And if you can't even do that, and I fully understand the mentality where <clears throat> you feel a responsibility to the people that you're employing mm. and you pay their salary before you pay. I, I, I've been there. Um, but we've all been there, But at yes. the end of the day, it's not, a, it's not a prudent or sustainable strategy, yeah. No, absolutely not. Uh, because before long, your spouse will notice. <laughs> and if things aren't right at home, they're hardly going to be right in the office as well. But then what choice do you have? Um, well, you know, I think it's important to, to differentiate between if the issue is getting paid on time by your customers or by your head contractors, then there are two kinds of issues. One is an issue where they have the money, but they're choosing not to pay you. And that's probably most of the issues. And what we know, because we deal with these issues all the time, is that there are changes that you can make to the nature of your relationship with a customer who has the money to pay you to ensure that you're the first in line to get paid. That's what Rehab was all about. But the problem occurs where they simply do not have the money. I have to say, 
you know, if they don't have the money, then that's, that's an issue, and you need to be careful about who you get into bed with in terms of who you do business with. Well, arguably, they shouldn't be allowed to do business if they're insolvent. Well, it, you know, they might point to people further down the chain not paying them, but I think there is one really important point here, which is that the background to these two articles and to many other articles that we've discussed over the last year has been the notion that the government or a trade body should somehow get involved to improve the situation. If you think about the two possible scenarios that we've talked about, one is they've got the money to pay you, but they're not paying you because they're choosing to, hand on, to, to hang on to the money. It's not clear how the government's going to help with that. At the end of the day, the answer lies in how you build your relationship and manage the transaction. And in the second case, where they don't have the money to pay you at all, how is government intervention going to suddenly conjure up the money out of it? Mm. There is no magic money tree. Uh, oh, there isn't. That's nice <laughs> to me. But, but back to the construction industry in particular. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. And, uh, you know, this idea that somehow you can uh, be intimate with your customer and improve customer relationships may not work in an industry which is so, um, you know, where there are so many competitors and, and where... Uh, your, your customer might not be interested in, in forging a closer risk. Well, it's not just that there are so many competitors. It's just that, if, particularly if we're looking at large contracts, some of them government-related, the entire dynamic of the industry is as follows. A large company gets an enormous contract, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Its objective is to hang on to as much of that money as possible and to subcontract all the work, or most of it, to companies that in total are going to pay, are going to cost less th than they're earning. And the more they can squeeze those companies, the more profit they will make. And squeezing those companies comes out in terms of what they actually charge, but also in terms of when they actually pay. So there is, a, there is an unhealthy dynamic here, which effectively encourages large contractors to be cautious about what they pay and when they pay and how much they pay. Yeah? Right. But, so what's the solution for government then? Instead of legislating, thou shalt pay your subcontractors, um, may, maybe they should have separate tender processes for all of these and get paid directly. Part of the answer lies in the procurement process. That is, you look at the economic health of the people that you're doing business with and you make stipulations about who, who they may do business with, the limits to who they're allowed to subcontract to and what is required from a subcontractor in terms of its balance sheet and in terms of its track record. Now, in some parts of the West, that's fairly common. Uh, it's much less common in Southeast Asia, uh, where there tend to be a, a far more fly-by-night outfits and far less regulatory pressure on large companies and government-related companies to monitor the people that they do business with. You know, there's yep. far less regulation in general. Yeah. Okay, so we've, uh, we've talked about the legalities of mm. it and the procurement process. Back to the mental health issues and you know this idea that uh, as a business owner you need to pay everybody before yourself yeah. and we've we've already yeah, touched on yeah. that briefly that that's not such a good idea but you may not have a choice when push comes to shove would it be better to let go of a few people so that you do have money left over to pay yourself and others well I think we come right back to this point and the point is that nobody goes into business in order to be an expert at cash flow and in particular at billing and collections you know, if I'm a builder or whether I'm an electrical contractor or a roofing contractor or, or a cement mixer owner or whatever I am or a trucker, uh, the fact of the matter is that's what I'm good at and that's what I like to do because I chose to do it. But at the end of the day, there is a certain amount of discipline required in terms of the way that you understand and forecast your cash flow needs wherever you are in the supply chain, whether you're north or south. So at the end of the day, you need to understand 
when you're likely to get paid and how much you're likely to get paid and, and, and then based on what working capital you have in the company and your expectations, realistic expectations, not pie in the sky expectations. It's amazing how many companies work on the basis that, uh, that a cash flow is the same as a profit and loss account. By that I mean that if you bill something in one month, you're going to have the money in one month. Well, the reality is you have all the costs of doing business in a month. Very often you won't get much of that money for one month, two months, three months. So how do you survive during that period? Companies, particularly small companies, are very bad at understanding that working capital dynamic and planning for it. And it comes down to either having enough working capital in the company or being able to access borrowing or, as you said, cutting your costs to a level where you can actually sustain them based on the money that is likely to come in and when it's likely to come in. Companies are very bad at this. Yeah. So just one final point then on the mental health issues. And I'd say we've all been there where mm. you lie awake at night uh, cursing a, a particular customer who's letting you hang for, uh, for a particular check for a long period of time. Your, your message is stop being a victim. Get out of bed, do something. Well, about I, I, before we start accepting this narrative that somehow there is a malign fate, that, that, that there are people conspiring to pay you late, make sure that you have your ducks in a row. First of all, look at who you're doing business with and plan your cash flow based on what you've got to spend and what you have to have coming in. And if there is a gap, which is very likely, don't just sail away into the future in the confident hope of a miracle. Uh, <laughs> try and plan to plug that gap or, as you say, reduce costs. I mean, you always have a, a very simple option if, if you're a small company or a one-man band, which is do the work yourself, right? Because you and I know that's something that, that we find ourselves doing. You may have to do that, yeah? And then only actually take on the extra resources when you've actually got enough cash in the bank to do it. But avoid the victim narrative because in many, many, many cases, there will be things that you can do in terms of planning and then in terms of intimacy and execution to ensure that you do get paid on time by simply being better at managing the relationship and managing the payment than many of your competitors who are very likely to be like you in terms of a reluctance to grapple with, the, with these issues and a lack of skills, yeah? Um, and, I, and I think it's sad that anyone should suffer mental health issues as a result of this, and I quite understand that it does go on, but very often there are a number of relatively simple things that you can do that will prevent that. Yeah. On that happy note, happy mm. 2020, Simon, and may there be lots of peace, love and uh, harmony uh, between you and your customers in the new year, and may you always have your invoices paid on time. Amen. <laughs>